Hello, hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. It's good morning today, right? So we've done night, we've done afternoon. We are doing morning now. We and should today, do past midnight. We should do a sahor. Yeah. <laughs> so, so hello, everybody who's kind of like tuning in soon, hopefully. Uh, and and uh, today is going to be a really exciting day because it's almost like back to back for our, for me at least. Uh, because like there are just many many guests that we have to this uh today, right? Um, so first we have here we have Imran, who will be with us for the next about an hour or so, and then we will be followed by a trio, which has Imran as well as uh Abzal, who you whom you've seen on Tuesday night, the first night of Ramadan, uh, and then there is uh, Aifa who will join us as well in that trio, and I think. What Imran has been sharing with people, you know, for to join the trio is that there will be uh, 10 minute recipes that we'll be sharing for busy mum. So I have no idea what that's gonna happen, uh, how how that is gonna happen, and I've got no idea what these 10 recipes are, 10 minute recipes are. They have not shared anything with me, so I will be in for a surprise as well. Uh, and then after that, we have Aifa. Uh, who will join us, uh, who will continue with us, not join us, but continue with us uh, till about 1 p.m. And then there'll be a short break. And then we will have Yati joining us at about 2 p.m. Uh, later. And really, this entire thing right, cannot happen without these guys like jumping in so readily and say, hey, Michelle, yes, we will join in this year as well uh, as part of this Ramadan special. Thank you very much, guys, uh, for being a part of this. Thank you very much, Imran, amongst your, amidst your busy schedule because Imran is a newly minted author of a book. Right, so this period of like just before, just before uh, Ramadan kicked in, he just received the book hot, you know, like hot out of the oven, and then he started on his like little promotions and sending it to people. So his book, if you haven't if you haven't heard from him yet, his book is called the Reluctant Networking Book, right? And the interesting thing is, even though the title is such, I have read like Imran's chapter. Um, and, and I say Imran's chapter because this book is actually a co-authored book. There are like 14 different authors, including Imran. Uh, and when I read Imran's chapter that he, he has uh, written, uh, it's got nothing to do with being reluctant in networking at all, but so much more tips and flavors in terms of like how can you be a better networker, right? So I thought that's really interesting because the title itself probably draws people in to say that, hey, you know, I, yeah, I introvert, uh, I don't want to network, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But I think it will definitely also benefit people who are already networking uh, to you know, say, hey, there's certain nuggets and tidbits here for me to take away and you know, further enhance how I do my networking. Right? So thanks for joining us this morning, whoever that you are watching us at this point in time. Um, that's what I can share about Imran. Maybe Imran can share a bit more about himself before we jump into the Ramadan conversations. Uh, thanks, Michelle, for the colorful introduction. Very comprehensive. <laughs> so that, that kind of uh, makes my job easier when I need to introduce myself. So, uh, yes, that's true. I was involved in a book, uh, book project called Reluctant Networking. I think the idea was to inspire introverts with stories from introverts to step out to network and to step up to share their stories to the world. Uh, part of the stories is my journey traveling in the past uh, to certain communities to help them uh, develop curriculums and collaborate with them to develop further 
the communities. And also some of the stories where I've been a consultant and digital marketing consultant as well. How I meet people, how we engage with people as well. And I think with this Ramadan experience, it's uh, going to be a unique journey because we are talking about <coughs> post-circuit breaker, how different really? it is. Um, mm. I feel like yesterday I was thinking about it, like I've seen all the developments in terms of how our our society is shaping up. Then I feel like, okay, does it look like we are already settling in into this new normal as well? So, yeah, so I guess we'll be highlighting some of that in some of my responses as well. Sure. Thanks, Imran. And you know, Imran is also a very seasoned uh, Facebook liver, <laughs> if that's such a word. And he's also explored into Clubhouse. So, you know, if you would like to find out more about digital marketing, you know, find more about find out more about like the social work that he does, the community work that he does, like follow him right on his Instagram, follow him on his Facebook, follow him on Clubhouse, right? So he has actually dabbled further into all these social medias than any one of us, perhaps. And that's why he is in the social media and digital marketing space, right? If he needs to kind of like be the first in and then experience it and then therefore can advise the rest of us. Right. So um, Imran was with us last year as well when we started this Ramadan special and for those of you who are clueless about how this Ramadan special kind of came about, it really started from last year uh, and last year was really because uh, COVID and Ramadan kind of coincided together and my perspective of Ramadan is really a time for people to come together, especially family and friends and typically when that happens, it's during iftar where they break fast to, together as a community. And because of what happened last year during uh, COVID, basically there's no such thing, right? You can't come together unless you're staying in, already staying in the same household. And then there are certain things like perhaps like, go, like going to the mosque for the tarawi, the tarawi prayers, the night prayers. Also those have kind of like significantly reduced or totally eliminated last year. And that affected some of our Muslim friends like kind of like morale <laughs> to a certain extent because that's one of the things that they look forward to apparently the, the congregational prayers it's not something that i'm familiar with it's something that i've heard from them as i kind of like jump deeper into like you know how how has covid affected you and ramadan right so that was last year's conversation and i thought then perhaps you know it's a it's probably a nice way to kind of like round up the entire pandemic to a certain extent by by coming back to uh, ramadan this year and seeing how Ramadan is the same or different between last year and this year. And, you know, this year there will be probably some changes because we can start meeting. There are, there are certain limitations and restrictions still, uh, but it, we, are not, we are not like totally cannot go out kind of situation, right? So with that, there are probably some changes. And at the same time, I think in this past one year, there's also certain issues that have come up with regards to uh, our Malay Muslim community, at least in Singapore, right? I, I think overseas, you, there are many other issues that came up uh, with regards to race and religion. Uh, whereas in Singapore's case, we might, we might be a milder situation to a certain extent if we look at it globally. However, it's still conversations to be had within Singapore uh, with regards to like race and religion to a certain extent. So we are just going to you know, tip our toes into the water a little bit. We're not going to deep dive into that area. Uh, but I thought it would be nice to use this platform and to hear from our Malay Muslim friends also. Like, what are their perspectives with regards to like being a Malay Muslim in Singapore, growing up in Malay in, in Singapore? That case, right? So then that kind of like perhaps just kickstart today's session with Imran sharing a little bit more about that, right? Um, being a born 
Malay Muslim and growing up in Singapore. And I think Imran's case is a little bit unique because he's not entirely Malay. <laughs> he has uh, Indian blood in him as well. Yeah, I, I, I was a bit worried because I wanted to be able to answer you how was Malay Muslim. <laughs> Yeah, so, so Imran will have, a diff, I guess, a different perspective, right, in that sense to say that maybe not Malay Muslim, maybe Indian Muslim, you know, however you want to call yourself. So maybe that would be, this would be a nice platform for you to perhaps share a little bit about your own cultural background, right? Uh, considered that you are perhaps like from a multicultural kind of uh, family. Yeah, so maybe Imran can just share a bit about that. Like how, how is it like growing up? Uh, in Singapore, being of a different race or different religion from the rest? Mm, I think you, growing up as a Indian Muslim, you belong to uh, a minority that's smaller than the Malay Muslim itself. So it's a bit more harder to find folks that share the same experiences or encounter. And that means that when some of the things that happens to you you are not sure who to compare it with like hey anyone else goes through this hey, like don't know and <laughs> it, this happens all the way until the later years where you start to get to meet more people like oh i had this kind of similar experience i heard of this before so some of the things is like probably um, I think I think most of our customs, even as Indian Muslims, it's not very pronounced or nuanced as what you expect from other countries because of the nature of uh, the, the, the religion itself mm. in Singapore and how religion is practiced in Southeast Asia is pretty much heavily influences, influenced by Malay customs. Mm. So naturally, we start to adopt a little bit of the Malay culture into our lifestyle as well. Mm. And the Indian culture starts to fade a bit into the background mm. because uh, it, it's easier that way for us to practice our faith. So mm. it kind of leaves you confused most of the time, like in the early years, like what am I exactly? Mm. Like is there a manual I can follow to to, to, to be a proper Indian Muslim so that people can tell, yeah, this guy is Indian Muslim. Uh, this guy is not that, this, uh, this guy is not Malay or anything. So, there, there isn't too sure, like, what are the customs that are permissible as well? Mm. We brought forward into the faith for as a Muslim. Uh, probably I haven't done enough thought, spent enough thought about that as well. Because mm. I, I believe that the uh, Indian custom is very, very colorful. There's a lot of things which you probably have experienced before. Uh, yeah. So maybe it goes back to how you you are with the family, the extended family as well. So some of the customs they still have, like our outfits, our celebrations, uh, the food. So that kind of remains. But uh, I think when it comes to practicing the faith, we are still heavily influenced by the, the Malay culture yeah, in, in the Southeast Asia. Uh, another interesting fact growing up as uh, Indian Muslim is, uh, I guess at a glance, people don't ask twice, like, hey, what's your, what's your religion or what's your faith? <laughs> so let me share an interesting story. Uh, see how you guys want to take this story. 
<laughs> so I, I was at Xiaoyim. I wanted to mm. have lunch. So not the best story to start off with. <laughs> so I was queuing up for the Thai beef noodle. Ah, yes, the famous one. Yeah. I, yeah, I love yeah. it. Like, I enjoy having Thai beef noodle. Mm. So it was a long queue. I patiently queued up. And when it came to my turn, I mentioned my order, but the guy looked at me stunned. <laughs> so I say like, this is what I want, this set. Can I have this set? He said, are you sure you want this set? Are you allowed to eat beef? <laughs> so, okay. so how did no, you convince him that no, you were allowed to eat? No, bro, I'm I'm Indian Muslim. <laughs> like, why do I have to make de- a declaration? <laughs> okay, thanks, thanks for I appreciate the concern as well. That's good. <laughs> keeping us in check. We need more more of this. So yeah, then if I go to the mosque or they will just speak to me in English and then um, the interaction is a little bit more different, a bit more formal. <laughs> So they they speak to me in proper English. Um, they will be very very formal with me, as compared to if, if my if someone else goes to my friends and go to the mosque, it's like oh they are like buddies with the the party and all. <laughs> so yeah, that's the part. They they people will just assume immediately like oh even even I go to see Padang, they will just speak to me in English. I mean I don't blame them. I guess appearance wise, they they can't make that judgment quick enough. You know they can't tell. Mm. But sometimes I just play in my favor and play long. <laughs> if not, so, I probably have a long conversation uh, with them, so I, I can avoid that. So curiosity, right? Like then in terms of language, are you more proficient in Malay or do you speak Tamil or Hindi? Uh, good question. So um, I'm quite confident with Malay, mm. uh, English as well. Follow. For ethnic language-wise, it was supposed to be Gujarati. Oh, wow. So what happened was my grandfather speaks Gujarati, passed on to my dad, but somehow lost in translation when it comes to me. <laughs> so I didn't pick it up. Um, that's, that's the part also which I think was a bit of a letdown. I didn't get to pick up a native language or the mm. uh, ethnic language to reflect my race mm. so that means i don't get to mingle with my own uh, group because <laughs> <laughs> they, they will look at me like what are you exactly you can't speak my the language you don't uh, you don't kind of fit exactly you know yeah. it's quite hard to find like uh buddies you know indian buddies yeah yeah but it's really minority. You gotta hunt for them, you know. Yeah, and Gujarati isn't isn't one of the more common no. like Indian languages either, right? In Singapore. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah. I think it's either Tamil or Tamil, Hindi. Yeah, that is probably the more common ones. Yeah, and I think in in the schools in Singapore, uh, basically, you they learn Tamil, right? Tamil. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when you want, we when we were growing up the decision was to focus more on malay because again uh, one is for ease of learning the religion uh, second is for ease of communication with uh, the people around us 
Mm. Nice. And, and for yourself, you are born Muslim, right? Yes. Where in your family line did this Muslim... You, are you aware? Like, how uh, far back think, it went? I think it was to date back. I don't think there was... I mean, I can't recall of any... Uh, what I call conversion that mm. took place to come mm. into Muslim faith. So I take it as it has been part of the lineage as far as I can remember. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, 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 it's just a curious question, right? Because, <laughs> like, again, the assumption would be if you're if you're Indian, yeah, then you'll probably be born Hindu. Mm. Right? And and if you go, like, if you want to follow the lineage, like you mentioned, right? Like, Indians come from India, lah, right? So where did, yeah, yeah. where did Islam come into India? I'm not saying that India don't have Islam. Mm. Yeah, right. I'm sure there is. Just wondering, like, for your family, like, how did it perhaps uh, coincided, right? Mm. Yeah. So interesting. Thanks for sharing, you know, like, your story. And, and I like... I, I know you're like a real storyteller, right? You always have all these snippets of stories to bring into every session to share a little bit. And I think your Thai beef noodle story was like, wow, spot on in terms of how people like just look at you and assume certain things about you. Yeah, so I, I experienced that a little bit in terms of like when I go to Nasi Padang store and I order, and if I say, and I speak a bit of Malay, and then they'll look at me like, like, you sure you can understand or not? You know, that kind of thing. Like if I tell you back, yeah, so typically they will still speak to me in English. La. Yeah, but then, then, then the setback of that is, of course, um, apparently we don't get as um, as privileged prices when we buy from the Nasi Padang <laughs> store and we can't speak Malay. <laughs> yeah, but if I speak, if I speak uh, Mandarin when I order tea, they will look at me stunned and like they, can't, they can't process. Yeah, it's very interesting. And we are, we are considered a multicultural society already, right? Meaning that Typically, language shouldn't be too much of an issue in terms of mm. being mishmash. Uh, but yet, people still look at each other like, huh? how come you can speak, you can say this? Or how come you can understand that, right? I think, especially our generation and beyond, there's so much mixture that sometimes we forget that we are using someone else's language, actually. It's like, it's like Singapore's language. Yeah. Mm. So that's the interesting part. Like, people still look at us like, how come you know this, this, this word? I'm like, why cannot know? <laughs> yeah. So then, then if let's say if I were to ask you, right, based on your experience growing up, is there anything that perhaps you would wish that people would would know that you would like people to know more about or learn more about with regards to being Malay or Muslim or you know Indian Muslim? Mm, I think I wouldn't say exclusively to Malay Muslim or Indian Muslim. Mm. I because prior to what I'm doing now. I think we both know what was one of my first jobs, which is with uh, <laughs> conducting heritage programs. Yeah. And in my journey doing the heritage program, I think eventually I became a consultant as well. So consultant, I will speak to a lot of teachers. Mm. And some of the teachers are very passionate about our heritage trails, our heritage programs. And yeah. you can really sense that that passion and concern because mm. they will usually share with me, hey, I really need to make this happen because uh, this might be the only touch point they may have yeah. with another faith or ethnic group in their 
academic life or their lives entirely. Yeah. So we need to make this happen. That's why we take it. We take our job quite seriously when we share about the different heritage and faith. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the... And, I, and I'm, I'm glad there are such teachers around, right? That they really want the immersive kind of experience for the for the students. Because again, like I think what you mentioned earlier, and I think yesterday's session as well with Atika, there was like, for Atika's case, when she shared a story, like she's probably the only Malay that some people have interacted with. Like until they are 20 plus years old, she's the first Malay. She's the first Malay that they're having lunch with. So it's interesting to hear that as well because like my own experience isn't is, is different. I mean yeah. to, to, to be fair, uh, our demo our demographic is not an excuse as well because I can throw the same question if we, we want to talk about a hey, uh, we are minority but you should not ignore us. I don't think that's fair as well because I can ask back the minority are you aware about the rest of the seventy percent practices as well? Probably they don't know as well. <laughs> yeah. You can, you can have seven in ten of people around you, and yet you don't know anything about them as well. Mm. So how 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 do you think this can be better supported? You know, for us to I don't know shift one step forward. I think uh, a lot of our message has been a lot about tolerance. I mm. think tolerance is still people have. If tolerance means you are trying to sweep it under the, the rug, you know, when you talk about tolerance, means you do not acknowledge it as something which is uh, something of good faith. Mm. You are just <clears throat> trying to suppress it or something. That's why I think of tolerance. Mm. Or you just want to put it away. You don't want to talk about it. You want to confront it. Mm. Or you don't want to understand. That's, mm. that's tolerance. Uh, in the long run, tolerance doesn't help what we need more is education and excitement. Mm. Mm. So excitement is basically to get quite excited about the different things, different practices. Mm. With that, I think you don't need tolerance anymore because it becomes a celebration instead of the mm. differences. Mm. Nice. I like I like what you said. Yeah. Maybe your wedding could be a showcase yeah. of that. <laughs> can, can, we will wear chipao. <laughs> that would really be multicultural already. <laughs> Maybe you can wear Baba Nonya, uh, the attire as well. Right. Even I mean they are they're still Chinese, but at the same time there's a blend in that. I guess the, the only concern is uh, if anyone comes up to me and say, Oh yeah, cultural misappropriation, I say come on. <laughs> if we don't do this, then what else can we do to educate, right? <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think in Singapore we're probably like what you said more tolerant of, yeah. of us like just cross. Okay, this sound this will sound very off, but cross dressing, <laughs> cross <laughs> cross cultural dressing, uh, and and like you know racial harmony day in school, uh, children are not. I mean, I I don't know. Maybe some schools do encourage them to wear their own their own ethnic so called costumes. But I think what would be really interesting is if they allow everyone to just wear whatever that they please. Yeah. Right. So if I want, if I'm I'm Indian, I just want to wear a tipao, and then if I'm I'm Malay, I want to wear a the 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 Indian uh, attire. I I can't remember the name. Yeah, and then you know if I'm Malay, I just want to you know wear a, yeah something else. 
Right. So, so I guess that that will help with like, saying that you know we are multicultural and we appreciate each other's culture. We find that each other's costumes or each other's uh, race and the culture behind the race is really colorful, and mm. you know we appreciate these other things about it. I thought that would be really nice. I think most of the conversations about other culture has been limited to food and outfit. Yeah. But we fail to take the extra effort to share the wisdom as well behind mm. some of the practices that influences the culture. Mm. Yeah. 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 So so I guess that would be a very a very good step forward and, and probably perhaps need someone to like facilitate the conversation, right? To know which direction to bring the conversation to. Because if you're gonna ask me to just sit down with you and say, Hey Imran, tell me about your culture. And then you'll be like, uh, where do you want me to start? Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So it can be quite large as well. So it could be simple things like, you know, uh, in an in Indian Muslim family, you know, how do you usually celebrate birthdays? Is it the yeah, same? Buy a, buy, buy, buy a cake, blow out the candles. But then that's not Indian Muslim culture, isn't it? That's more yeah, like... We, we buy a cake, we sit around the cake, and then we decide what language are we going to use. <laughs> <laughs> so do you sing it all, all different languages? Because I know some uh, families do. Yes, we just sing in Malay and, and, and English and then <laughs> we'll see anyone feeling ambitious to try Arabic or Tamil. <laughs> Any of your siblings learn Tamil in school? Uh, no, my mom learned Tamil. Hmm. Uh, my sister tried to pick up Tamil from movies. From who? It's movies. Oh, movies. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. okay. 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 And that works too, right? I, I know people who pick up Korean from just watching Korean drama. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. So that that is probably some of the things that you hope that people, like, you know, learn more about or, or know more about, lah, basically the different cultures in general. Then for, let's say, in Ramadan this year, right? Anything that is the same or different for you from last year? I think this year everyone is like itching to call you out for iftar and all. <laughs> yeah, like the, the like birds with their wings were clipped last year and now they're free. They can't wait to fly away. <laughs> so there's so this struggle to resist. So I, I still make it clear to most of my peers and my network as well and say that uh, Ramadan, so my time is especially limited. Um, I am not going to make much plans, especially in the evening. Mm. If anybody wants to meet up, I usually push it online or I will say supper after mm. 10, 11. Wow, so that's the only time I will probably... Uh, accept invitations for iftar i tried my best i'm trying my best to avoid uh going out but it's just hard to avoid entirely um, i may have to give it at some point for certain instances plus i think it's hard when your environment itself doesn't help yeah you can't really squirrel your way out entirely so you still have to make some days which are exceptions Mm. But yeah, as much as possible, uh, I would like to have a repeat of what we enjoyed last year, the, the family time before the iftar, mm. the congregation of prayers. Mm. Yeah. 
and I know for you, especially this year, it's something special for you as well, isn't it? Because you mentioned to me that this might be one of the last years that you are having your iftar and your congregational prayers with your family. Yeah, yeah. By the end of this year, you belong to someone else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's, that's nice to hear, like, you know, how you prioritize in terms of, like, how you want to spend this Ramadan. Uh, and it's interesting also to hear like you are the, the third person I spoke to and pretty much like out of out of the three of you, most of you felt that you want to have it like how it was last year in terms mm. of how to spend Ramadan. So it's really interesting um, to, to, to see that pattern, uh, to see that pattern of like, oh, you know, last year's Ramadan was so much better. <laughs> if only this year's Ramadan could be that, the same as last year. Yeah, because I think you a lot more focus internally to our values, our family for last year. And I, I, I think maybe this one is a bit of a stretch, but when the malls were closed and you're not able to go to the malls, you realize that you need to be independent in practicing your faith as well. So now that the malls has opened up, uh, you're not really in a rush to throw back, throw away the independence or so. You're like, okay, it's fine. I can still do this on my own. Yeah, and I think that's also important, right? Because other, it's sometimes very interesting, like certain periods in, in the religion, not just Islam, but in any other religion, certain periods you're like, wow, super faithful, mm. right? Super staunch. You will just follow everything that the religion says during that particular period. And then once that period is over, right? It's like as if suddenly <laughs> you... <laughs> You don't belong to that faith anymore kind of thing right so that's the interesting thing and i and, and i i guess the one thing that perhaps came out might hopefully well was that because of the independence that you received during the covid the, the circuit breaker period the independence kind of continued lah, mm. whether it was ramadan or not yeah and and like now that it is phase three right for for most of us uh and things are kind of like going back to normal um are you perhaps having i mean you mentioned earlier that there are already people itching to ask you to go out for iftar and stuff like that do you foresee yourself like having more family gatherings or even perhaps booking to go for the congregational prayers i know abzal said that he's going to go tonight for his congregational prayer we, at the mosque we will check, we will check on him <laughs> so for yourself i don't see myself making appointments uh, because it goes back to how we understand the purpose of the congregational prayers as well. If you are mindful about it, uh, whereby you know why you are doing it with your family, you know why you are going to the mosque instead of doing it with your family, then this makes the decision much easier. If you don't know why, you have to do it with your family. If you you feel that if the mosque open, you go to the mosque. If the mosque is closed, oh, I cannot do this anymore. Or <laughs> you are not clear about why you are doing this, then it's going to be hard. So for me, I'm very clear. Uh, like, like I shared earlier, yeah. uh, this is the, probably the last time before I belong to someone else. <laughs> uh, but then also, even if I go, it's probably out of curiosity. Mm. Uh, like to see what it's like uh, post-COVID congregation prayers for Ramadan. Yeah. Yeah. Only one point, just out of curiosity. So I'm also curious, right? I think last year because of the because of the circuit breaker, I think some some of the mosques or some of the ustads actually live stream or broadcasted their the prayer sessions, right? 
Is it happening this year? This is something I haven't heard about. So uh, live stream for like the 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 prayers because I think last year had someone who uh, uh, there, there are some of them who did that right like they live stream or they did Zoom sessions for the congregational prayers. Oh, you did. Uh, <sighs> I I really don't comment because that, that's not really a, a practice that's, that's accepted. <laughs> Ah, okay, okay. So, so I was wondering, this year I don't hear much about it, so I wasn't sure, like, it was it going to happen? Yeah, so the congregational prayers, you live stream not really to follow, but just to observe. Mm. Okay. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because I know the churches are doing a lot of that. Ah, uh, yeah, alright. So I know for congregational prayers, in our sense, when you stream it, it's more for you to observe, mm. not join ah okay interesting yeah and this is my own personal curious question right because this is really a very warm and humid period of time every time i step out of the house just walk a few steps only i will be dripping wet so then i i wonder right like for yourself while you're fasting you know how, how if, if you do have to step out of the house i think this year is a bit different last year you were you cannot lah, right? So just generally you cannot. So therefore, even if it's super hot, just have the fan directed at you or you have the AC on, you kind of like can cool down. But this year, some of us will probably have to step out, you know, and then some people like they are really working outdoors. So then I wonder how you cope with this fasting. I mean, like most other people, whenever we are feeling a bit thirsty, we buy a bottle of water. So we usually manage that way. <laughs> You buy a bottle of water and you hold on to it. <laughs> I, I think uh, the the weather, I mean, I empathize with those who are really out and about the whole day in this kind of weather. So those are the people who need to really stock up on hydration Yeah. during the, the breakfast hours. Mm. Uh, for myself, I think more fortunate is not that I'm not as, as affected because nature what i do i'm quite sedentary or indoors most of the times unless mm. once in a while i need to step out but i mean those short instances they doesn't really affect me much mm. even if the weather is blazing or anything you can just take it easy go slow mm. uh, hydration is important during the in between the breakfast mm. uh, you need to know very clear about your food choices mm. uh, your your food choices uh, your hydration plan so mm. you need to know what kind of food may cause you to be dehydrated what kind of drinks as well to avoid so mm. like coffee tea i'm trying to cut down all those or maybe eliminate it all together because uh, you want to be very strict with hydration or else uh, <clears throat> this is the concern that will affect you because you feel most of the time you feel weak because you're dehydrated not so much of hunger mm. Nice. Cool. Uh, so I don't have a portable AC or fan. <laughs> is that a fan in your room, man? Yeah, the fan, that's all that's all I use. It's not that bad. Um it'll be bad if it's hazy though, that'd be tough. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I I mean 
I guess I, I don't know man I don't know if it's the weather changing or it's just us growing older like mm. I can I, when you say you empathize I'm thinking oh yeah back then when you were running the the learning trails right the, yeah. the learning journeys and, and it was fasting month it would and if it's the weather is hot it's the same thing right you will also be perspiring you'll be and worse you'll be talking and explaining <laughs> and therefore the expansion of water in your body oh. is even more right yeah and and, and yet yeah, this time round, it really just feels like I'm just dripping compared to previously. So I, or, that, and I guess that was why, like, I was so curious about this question this time round compared to previously, right? Like, I, I kind of like wonder. Yeah, and you know, perhaps we can just wrap up the session as well, just with this last question. Uh, like you know, given how things are, right, and this year kind of like when things are resuming so-called back to normal where you can start interacting and stuff like that is there anything that you would want people to know is there that one thing that you wish to tell them about wrong uh, question huh sorry is that wrong question oh. i'm so sorry guys yeah so is there anything that you do differently in this ramadan differently this ramadan hmm. I, I would want to not do anything differently <laughs> because I want to keep it the same as last year. Uh, but if there's one extra thing different is... Uh, well, if there is, like, if there isn't, it's fine. I, I think there isn't. Probably now I will be more... I, think I, I can't find anything different that I want to do because mm. whatever that's coming in is because of even if the changes to what I've been practicing is because I have to make that change. It's not because I want to. Mm. Uh, like, you know, the, the some of the outings is because I cannot avoid there's a meeting a client at Iftar or something. Mm. You try your best to push it out of the timing, but sometimes that is really the only timing available. Yeah. 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 Okay. So thank you very much, Iman. Uh, we're not going to say goodbye yet because Imran's still going to join us for the next segment. Uh, so do join in for that next segment as well if you're watching. And the reason for coming in the next segment is because it's, it, we are totally clueless. I'm, I'm totally clueless about what's going to happen when three other, the two other people are going to join us in this conversation, right? So two of them you've seen before. So Imran will join. Afzal, who you've seen on uh, on Tuesday night, you will you join in and and just having Imran and Afzal together, you probably have a bit of an explosion already because they are two, they can talk about anything and everything can can be quite random, right? And then we'll also be joined by Aifa, right? So Aifa is Aifa will also have her personal segment uh, after this trio segment, right? So take a break. Go if you are not fasting, go get a grab a drink or grab a snack. But if you are fasting, just you know take the time off the screen, close your eyes for a little bit. Yeah, and then join us back here at like 11 o'clock, right? And we will share a little bit more about Ramadan, perhaps during that segment. Uh, and I don't know, maybe we would really have like 10 minute recipes for busy mums uh, for, for the Easter and for the Ramadan period, right? So stay tuned. See you guys. Bye. Bye.